Hey guys, thanks for swinging by our podcast today. We hope this message leaves you encouraged and filled with hope and that Christ and His goodness is meeting your every need. Psalm 91, Psalm 91 verse 1. I'm going to read this verse and then um, and if you want to go ahead and open up John chapter 15. I'm going to use Psalm 91 1 because uh, I think that's what we'll be using as a jumping off point. But Psalm 91 1, Psalm 91 is my favorite psalm in the entire Bible. And uh, I told you last week it's the one that I, I read over my house. It's the one I read over my my wife and my boy when I pray for them. I just put their names in that psalm. And it's the one I read over our church. I, I was uh, yesterday, some of us came up and worked, and I was in the new sanctuary, the new revival center, if you will. And I just read that aloud and just declared it over everyone in our congregation. But it says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And we said last week that, I, I think the Lord showed me this, that, that in order to abide, you have to be willing to dwell. Because the word dwell means he who sits, he who lingers. He who lingers in the shelter of the Lord will then abide in the shadow of the Almighty. That's like the precursor. And so that's like the thing that we've talked and talked and talked a lot about the last two years is that Psalm 4610 verse where it says, cease striving, be still and know that I'm God. Get seated and know that I'm God. And, 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 and if we're going to end up abiding, we have to sit in his presence long enough that it transitions. Okay? Because dwelling would just be sitting. And we learned last week that the word abide, it means to, to build a home, if you will. It means to remain. It means to linger. And it also means to be invited to spend the night. And so if you're going to be invited to spend the night, you have to be willing to sit long enough. And I'm not talking about just sitting. I'm talking about a posture of your heart where, I'm, I'm, Lord, I'm, I'm just aware of you. I want to commune with you. Like, you can commune with, Lord, with the Lord more than communion, okay? But I'm going to be aware of you. I'm going to be in your presence. And I want to, uh, I want to dwell because dwelling leads to abiding. And, and really, that dwelling, that's a lifestyle of lingering, waiting, and you linger for what you long for. You linger for what you long for. You will not wait for something that you don't think is worth it. I mean, very practically, like I, I hate waiting at restaurants, right? Hate it. I love Yelp where I can check in before I go to a restaurant and, and like check in. And so my drive time is my waiting time. I love that. But, but if I walk in and they're like, it's a 30 minute wait, I will probably go drive 30 minutes and go to another restaurant and probably wait the same amount of time before I get to eat. But I just don't like to wait. But there are sometimes it's like, I really want this. Like, I really want some jalapeno cheddar ranch from, from, from Chewy's, and we're going to wait for that. Hallelujah. And so, but you will wait. You will linger for what you long for. You will linger for what you believe is worth it. And so if we believe he's worth it, we're going to wait on the Lord. And that's like these moments where that have been coming with increasing regularity in our congregation where we call them those Selah moments where no one's singing, no one's doing anything. You all are kind of singing your own song to the Lord. And when you all's doing that, that that's really just waiting on the Lord. And, and, and that flies in the face of everything I was taught as a pastor. 
<laughs> it's like, what are we going to do? I need to say something and sound really smart and intelligent and try to put something on this that sounds very profound to the congregation so they go, ooh, right? I mean, that's, what, that's what we were taught to do. And I just, I just think that I don't, I just, I just really becoming more calm. I don't need to do that. We just need to wait. And, and then the Lord makes you go, ooh, and, and, and I, that's so much better. <laughs> oh. Also, the word abide. So when I, when I move forward here, when I get to John 15, there's a, a abide. It means the same thing in the New and Old Testament, but there's an added uh, uh, definition to abide. Actually, the Passion Translation uh, uh, give this lingo, but it means life union as well. So he who dwells, he who sits in the shelter of the Most High will have life union in the shadow of the Almighty. <laughs> That's like when you get married. I have life union with my wife, right? You two just started life union in December. You have that. And, and so, so, so it's this life union, which means that if I'm unified in life, there is never not a moment that we're not together, even if we're not together. So like if I leave town, I'm still in life union with my wife, right? And it, it, when I walk out of the doors of this church, I'm in life union with the Lord. When I walk out of the secret place with the Lord, I'm still in life union with him, right? He doesn't like one night stands. He wants life union. All right. So it's <laughs> all right, John fifteen. John fifteen. <clears throat> I love this. I've never I've never preached from John fifteen. I've never actually preached from John fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen because I've been afraid of it. Still am. It's different now. <laughs> I actually think it's just illegal to preach anything if you're not doing your best to live it out. All right. I'm the true vine. This is Jesus talking. I am the true vine, and the Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that he may bear fruit more fruit. So if you get pruned, that's not a bad thing. If you get squeezed by life, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Doesn't mean the Lord caused it. It just means he's going to use it, right? So he's going to use those things so that you bear fruit because that is God's will for his children to bear fruit. What is bearing fruit? I, it looks like lots of stuff. There's fruits of spirit, gifts of spirit, but I think bearing fruit would be replicating Jesus on the face of the earth. All right. Verse 3, you're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. We feel that, by the way. You're clean because of the word he has spoken to you. You're not clean because of your religious acts. You're clean because what he decreed and declared. He who knew no sin became sin so that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're clean because he said you are. Mm -hmm. Abide in me, verse 4. This is verse 4 and 5 is where I'm going to camp out. I'll read the whole thing. But abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself 
unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and they cast and they cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And my father is glorified by this. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. Hear that too. Our Father is not glorified by doing a bunch of activities that make us feel better about ourselves. Our Father is glorified when we abide in Him and we start to actually bear fruit. And I would say bear fruit that remains as well. All right. So that you prove to be my disciples. Verse 9. Just as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and so that your joy may be made full. Abiding is the goal of the Christian life. All right, so abiding is the goal in the, in, uh, of of the Christian life. Abiding is the goal. Abiding is, is the pinnacle of following Christ. And, and this will make sense. Matthew 6.10, we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When I go to heaven, will I always be abiding with Christ? You will. You're going to be in the Lord's presence for all of eternity, right? For, for years longer than we can ever picture or imagine or come up with. When, when, when you get to heaven, you're going to be abiding with him, okay? And he says to pray on earth as it is in heaven. And our goal is to spend every single moment of every single day with him. And granted, he is all places, all the times. He's omnipresent. But I believe that we can begin to press in and live our lives to we're aware of him all the days of our life. A moment by moment by moment. So verse 4, it says, abide in me. Well, by the way, abiding is the only way that we are fruitful and productive. How many of us want our life to be, this is rhetorical, but how many of us want our life to be fruitful and productive? How many of us want our life to actually count for something when we die? Right? Like we want to leave our mark on this planet. And not so we leave our mark, but I actually believe that 1 Corinthians 15, 31, if we die daily, we actually end up leaving his mark on the earth. And that's what we're called to do. Abide in me and I in you, and as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I believe if we're going to bear much fruit in the church, the defining thing needs, we need to be a church that just abides in the presence of the Lord. And not just while we're here, but in our day-to-day lives, folks. He says, you can do nothing. Nothing means nothing. (laughs) It means absolutely nothing. It means by no means. And it actually means that you expect that you can do something on your own. But guess what? You can't. (laughs) Probably thought I'm really stuttering because I'm fired up. But how many of y'all ever felt like you could do something and you found that like I am in way over my head? 
every construction project that my wife has ever taken on, I thought, I can do that. <laughs> and then I learned, no, I cannot. <laughs> I can't. Oh. Jesus desires for us to live fruitful lives. Let me phrase it like, Jesus desires that our lives count, that our lives matter, and they do matter, and you count. You are important to the kingdom of God. You're important to the kingdom of God. Of, of God. You're important to your neighborhood where you live at. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You are important to the kingdom of God. You're important to Walmart when you go to Walmart. You're important to Kroger when you go to Kroger. You're important because he lives inside of you, all right? The goal of the Christian life is to abide. And it starts the moment that you give your life to him. And I believe, again, that you can learn to abide all the time. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. But I think I'm on the right road. Look, I don't want to just come to church so I can be with God. <laughs> I'm going to go to church. I need to be with God. I was with God on my basement floor two days ago. And he was there. And it, it was like, it was intense this morning. It was intense there. Like, I, 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 you don't have to come to church. You should come to church. So don't hear that as permission not to. Do not forsake the assembly of saints, all that stuff. But listen, listen, he's not just here. Okay, he's not just here. I, I'm, I'm like, and, 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 and he's, he's everywhere. And if I can't do anything with him, that means that I can't be the husband that I'm supposed to be without God. Seriously. That means that I cannot even do my day-to-day -day work job unless I am with him, right? It means that I'm going to be a, a mediocre parent at best unless I'm doing it with God. Like I do things for God, but I actually do things with God. It means that I can't make a phone call to a friend unless I am with God. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you can do nothing without him. Like, you can do stuff without him, but you can do nothing without him, okay? And so, so, so what happens is we begin to transition the way we think that I'm not, just, I'm not just going grocery shopping. I'm going grocery shopping with Jesus. I'll tell you, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I, was, I, I think I told you this. I was, I was back there. I was painting, and it was, it, was, it was the day John came, but it was about an hour or so before John came. To help. And I was up on the top rung of the ladder, real safe, I know. But I was up on the top rung of the ladder, and I was painting, doing some trim work. And I'll be honest, I was kind of grumping. I was like, this stinks. There's cobwebs and all kinds of stuff. You know, and it's dusty, and I started sneezing. I was like, this stinks. I was like, I, I, and, then, and then, then, then I was like, well, I need to make this holy. So I was like, God, I'm doing this for you. And I was mad as fire. I was doing it. I'm doing this for you. It's a sacrifice. <clears throat> and just so, so ever sweetly, the Holy Spirit said, I'm doing it with you. <laughs> I had to climb down that ladder because I was afraid I was going to cry and fall off. See, you don't do anything without him. You're doing things with him. Hmm. Without abiding, there's no hope. There's no hope. You ever notice, like, if, if you go a long time without thinking about God, you get a little hopeless, oh, yeah. Yeah. right? 
it's like your problems become really big. And in a moment, you're like, you come into this setting and you're like, no, oh, he's big, right? What if we could like go into a prayer closet and realize that he's really big when we start to face life? You wouldn't have to come here to get filled up every week. You would actually come here to release what you did all week. It'd be, it'd be really neat. But listen to this. Without abiding, there's no hope. Um, Ephesians 2.12 says this. It says, remember, you were at that time separate. Remember, at that time you were separate. That word separate is the same word, apart, that was used in John 15, verse 5. It says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So remember the time that you were separate. Remember the time that you were apart from Christ. Remember the time you were apart from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise. Like if you're apart from Christ, you're a stranger to the promises that he has for you. I'll say that again because that's just the truth. If you are apart from Christ, you are divorced from the promises of Christ. (laughs) Having no hope and without God in the world. So separate, it means separate, and it actually means you're, you're not showing hospitality to Jesus. Abiding is just showing him hospitality. <laughs> like when you have people over, you want to do nice stuff, for, like you want to take care of them, wait on them, right? You want to do these things. Like, like, like a lifestyle of abiding is just like, Jesus, what do you want right now? What can I do to, to please you right now? What can I do to love on you right now? What can I do to talk to you right now? What, what do you want to talk about? I mean, it sounds so, so silly. Like, even as I say this, I'm like, like, they're just not, it's just doing this. But I, I really think it's just that simple to begin to talk and abide. But, but without him, without him, if I'm divorced from him, if I'm not with him, what it is is, it, like, basically, my life is as good as the circumstances that I'm going through. It's like, oh, I had a bad day at work. My boss, my boss is a knucklehead. It's just awful, right? And you're just just mad. Well, if you're with Christ, even though you have a bad day at work, it does not change your day because he's the same today, yesterday, and forever because you have hope that tomorrow you have new mercies, right? And so, 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 so if we're not in him, we have no hope. And I would actually argue this, that there are a lot who's in the church that have no hope because they have not learned to abide. They're hopeless. We come and we sing and we put money in the plates and we raise our hand when we feel like we're supposed to or, and, and, and we say the right things and we respond the right way, but we have no hope and we're actually just a mess inside. And I'm not trying to condemn you if that's the case. <coughs> I'm saying that those feelings are an invitation to begin to abide. Amen. With no abiding, there's no strength. No abiding, there's no strength. Like, let's be for real. Like, we, we, could, we could work ourselves to a frenzy to grow a church. You could. We could go, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with these things, but we could go door to door, door to door, door to door for the next six months. We, 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 can, we can be the Christian versions of Jehovah's Witnesses, right? They're, they're a cult. It's weird. But anyway, like, like you could go door to door and go knock on all the doors and hand out all these things. You could, you could, you could serve, you could do all kinds of stuff. And again, some of those things are really, really good things, but they are under our own strength. If he does not tell us to do those things 
And if it's under our own strength, guess what's going to happen? In about six months, you're going to come. I'm going to be like, let's go, right? And I'm thinking, oh, gosh, let's go. I'm like, let's go. And you all's like, but we've done nothing but went, right? (laughs) You all's going to be tired and wore out. And like, I know some of us are physically tired right now from working, but we're being renewed every single day within our hearts. <clears throat> and so I say this, that I don't want to do things under my own strength. I want to be empowered by the Spirit, Zechariah 4, 6. It's not by might, it's not by strength, but it's by His Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And so, so look at this, look at this right here. If anyone, verse 6 says, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up. So picture a branch connected to a vine or a branch connected to a tree and you cut that off. It's no longer remaining. It begins to dry up and begins to shrivel up and it begins to actually die. Now, now I know this because we have a bunch of tree limbs in my yard right now. Like if I were to go and just be like, I'm going <laughs> to going to say, if I go and try to karate chop my tree, because that's the way I like to roll sometimes. But if I go and karate chop the tree, it's going to break my hand. But if I do it to a limb that has fallen off, that thing's probably going to snap right in half. Why? Because it's dried up because it's not connected to the source. And so what happens is, is if we're not abiding, we fall off the tree. And, and you understand that the limb still looks like the tree. And even when a limb first falls off, it still has leaves, right? But it looks like the tree. It has bark like the tree. But it's dead. We may be able to go through life and do all the right stuff, but we're not connected to them. And guess what? We're dead. And I don't want us to be dead. I want us to actually be alive and abide, all right? So dried up means shriveled, withered, not connected to the life source. There is nothing a broken branch can do but die. (sighs) And I'm saying we need the Lord's strength. I want what only He can do. I want what only He can do because... One, it's really cool. (laughs) But I want what he can do so that when people call and say, tell us about what God's doing at River City Hope. And I'm like, what are y'all doing to do this, that, and the other? And I'd just be like, it's the Lord. Which I get to do that anyway. And sometimes they're like, no, okay, seriously, tell me your secrets. (laughs) We worship our brains out and we preach the word and we get our people to pray. I mean, that, 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 that is what we're doing. And we're just trying to abide and stay connected to them. They look at, no, seriously, tell me. What are you doing? Like, are you just, you just want yours to be the only one that's doing what this is doing? Like, no, we're worshiping. We're <laughs> preaching the word. And our people's praying. And they're starting to call each other during the week and hang out. I mean, I didn't say that a moment ago. And, and so it's really, really simple. But we're tr- just trying to learn to abide. It does not make sense to the wise. I'm going to learn it. All right. Where there's no abiding, there is no increase. Where there is no abiding, there is no fruit. Verse 7, if you abide in me, in my words. I like that, by the way. Look at that. It's plural. In my words, my rhema, and actually my rhemas, abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. If you abide in me, in my words... Ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. 
Rhema, again, is the dynamic, living, active word of God. It's a right now word. Like the written word is the, is the logos word. It's the written word. But right, uh, a rhema word is from the Lord. Okay, and, and his rhema word will never violate his written word. But, all right, yeah, it is good. So he says this. Well, let me say this. What if most unanswered prayers have nothing to do with praying the wrong words? I'm just going to read it like I wrote it. What if most unanswered prayers have nothing to do with praying the wrong words or God not not listening? What if it has everything to do with that we haven't fully learned to yield our lives and abide with him? Because he says, if you, uh, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, again, don't go to name it, claim it, junk. I'm not saying that, all right? It just, it's not my heart, although I do believe the church is supposed to be prosperous. My prayer, my prayer is that, Lord, I, I want to begin to abide with you because we know that Psalm says that he gives the desires of our hearts, which, how does he give us the desires of our hearts? It's Ezekiel 36. He removes our heart and he gives us his heart. And so then when I pray, I end up praying his heart back to him. Well, what's his heart? Matthew 6.10, on earth as it is in heaven. And so as I begin to pray his heart to him, he begins to answer that. And so if I abide in him, I have his hearts. I have the mind of Christ, actually, which means that I can think his thoughts. Old covenant is that, the old covenant was this, is that, 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 that uh, uh, his thoughts are higher than my thoughts and his ways are higher than my ways, which is still the truth. But then 2 Corinthians says that I have the mind of Christ. So which is it? It's somewhere in between both of those. <laughs> My prayer would be this, that every prayer you all begin to pray gets answered. I think, like, like, I, I, I don't want any swings and misses, right? <laughs> we, went, we want something. We want a home run every time. Well, I, want, I pray you make connection. I, I pray that, that, that every prayer I pray gets answered. And, and my prayer is that we start living in life union with God. And, and so, so why is there no increase well, or, or no fruit? Well, if I'm praying prayers that are never getting answered, that means that nothing's probably ever happening. <laughs> but I want to live a life that stuff happens. I want to lay hands on the sick and they recover. I want to pray that God begins to speak to lost and dying people and they come into the kingdom of God. Like That's what we want to pray those types of prayers and the Lord begin to answer them, right? And, and so, so, so if we want to see fruit, we have to be in him because if we're in him, we're going to know what to pray. And if we know what to pray, if we know what to pray, then he begins to answer those prayers. So try not to complicate prayer because I really think prayer is just talking to God and don't, don't, don't try and mystify it, by the way. And come like, am I doing the right thing? No, just pray what's on your heart. But the more time you spend with him and the more time you're aware of him, you're going to begin to pray his heart. I promise you. I promise you that. And and I've noticed, like, when I first got saved, you know what I used to pray? When I first gave my life to Jesus, I used to be like, God, help me be a better person, right? (laughs) Or I'd pray pray stuff like this. Get them, God, because they're being jerks. (laughs) I'd pray stuff like that. You need to change their hearts. 
By the way, when you pray for someone else's heart to change, it's probably your heart that needs to begin to change. <laughs> because maybe the heart change that you demonstrate begins to lead to their heart change. But, but, but now it's like, oh God, would you just come? I just want what you want. <clears throat> I just want what you want. Would you begin to touch them? Would you begin to meet their needs? Would you do this? Would you, uh, would you just send your glory? Instead of praying like, help me, help me have a better day. Like I never pray for the Lord to help me have a better day. Because the day is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it no matter what. And so, so I'm going to begin to pray for the Lord to come and his, his kingdom to come. All these types of things. Why? Because I believe he's going to answer those prayers. All right? Now, we must stay in life union. I'm actually winding down early today. We must stay in life union. I say that. But we must stay in life. <laughs> psych. But anyway, I can't believe I just said psych. <laughs> It's like, it's, it's like 1988. Oh, Jesus, forgive me. My we must stay in life union. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, verse 8. And so, and so prove that you are my disciples. Just as the Father loved me, I have loved you. Abide in my love. Now listen, if you read John chapter 15, if you go home and read it, and if you circled every time he said abide, he says that, whoops, he said, every time he says abide, he says it 11 times in this chapter. And actually in the book of John, he says the word abide 40 times. And every single time, it's the same Greek word, meno, M-E-N-O, and it means life union. It means to remain. means to be invited to spend the night. It, reminds, it, 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 it invites us into this. And John the Revelator says it 40 times. Why is that? I think this is significant. By the way, what makes the Gospels different? Matthew, Mark, and Luke are actually more of a historical account. You guys know this. But more of a historical account of Jesus' life. John is more of a book that explains his character and his heart. That's why John 1 says, that's why in John chapter 1 it doesn't give the lineage of Jesus. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Right? He's saying that he was in the beginning, he was the Word, and he is the Word, he's always been. But anyway, he uses that word, uh, uh, abide, 40 times in the entire book of John. Why is that so important? I believe it's important because, let's look at it like this. Who was John? Well, he's one of the disciples. He's the one that, in the book of John, he said, I'm the one Jesus loved. He was the lover. <laughs> he's the one that, he didn't even give his name. He said, the most important thing about me is that Jesus loves me. Amen. He was the one that was reclined at the table and had his head up against Jesus' chest. He was one that got to go up and see Jesus transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? Which, by the way, Psalm 34, 5, like Jesus was glowing on, on the Mount of Transfiguration, but Psalm 34, 5 says that if we look to his face, if we look to her face, our faces become radiant, which is amazing too. So you can get transfigured. Go, go, go deal with that. That's amazing. But John was also the one that was on the Isle of Patmos. He got called, heard the voice of God that said, come up here and let me show you great and many great and unsearchable things. And he wrote the book of Revelation. He wrote what he saw. 
So, so he was the one. <laughs> he was the one that said the most important thing about me is that Jesus loves me. He was the one that laid up against Jesus. He was the one that was invited into the throne of heaven to see a picture of heaven. He's the one that actually saw the one, right? We quote this, Revelation chapter 1, that, that he saw, or I'm sorry, it, it, Revelation 1, 2, and 3, just an amazing picture, but he's the one that saw the one whose hair was white as wool, right? The Ancient of Days. He's the one that heard a sound. His voice sounded like many rushing waters. He's the one that saw the eyes that burned like fire. I mean, he's the one that got this beautiful picture. Why? Because I believe he had a revelation of abiding. Instead of trying to do stuff for Jesus, why don't you do stuff with Jesus? And therefore, everything you do, you're doing for him. He's inviting us into his life. And it's glorious. It's like, what's... I don't know, like... I. The Lord has just, like, let me say this, because I, I, the Lord has messed, I almost said the Lord's messed with my theology so much the last two months. It's completely different. It's not completely different. It's actually, he's just showing me what I believe is actually more important to his heart. Because I think that I, if, if I can learn to abide, I love my neighbor. If I can learn to abide, I can legally begin to serve the widows and orphans. I can. Like seriously, if I'm abiding and he says, go take care of the widows and orphans, guess what? I go take care of the widows and orphans empowered by his Holy Spirit. But if I'm not abiding, you know what I do? I go take care of the widows and orphans because I'm trying to make myself feel better about myself. And I turn them into a project instead of a person who he loves. And, and they're too valuable to treat like a project. That's right. Every person's too valuable to treat like a project. They're not. They have the potential to be hosts of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Right? They're, they're, they have the potential to be a tabernacle fit for a king. So why am I going to treat them like a project? I'm going to treat them like, oh, you're created in the image of God. You know? But I can't do that unless I enter into life union with him. Now, and preach a message like this, and y'all be like, that's really hard. I don't know about that. And you're kind of weird and flaky sometimes, Michael. I don't want to be weird and flaky. Don't be weird and flaky. That's fine. Just abide with him. <laughs> it's going to look different for all of you. I, I got the, just, and, and even the way y'all worship is so different than the person sitting next to you. Like, seriously, I, I turned around this morning, and, and I turned around, and I just surveyed, and some of y'all were, you know, touchdown Jesus-ing, right, and, had your hands raised like this. Some of you were doing this. Some were doing this. Some were rocking back and forth. My wife's doing this. You know, give them basically, it looks like she's pushing out a baby when she does that. And it's just this amazing picture. I love you. I love, I love watching you worship. <laughs> Everyone's doing different stuff. But everyone's fully given him everything that they have. So it's going to look different. It's okay that it looks different. Amen. But the heart behind it all is the same. People is fully devoted, fully surrendered to him. Now look at this, this last, last little point. 
our abiding actually releases joy. It releases the joy of heaven into your life. If, if, if you're depressed, learn to abide. And I don't say that mean I, I, because I know some's chemical, some spiritual, all this stuff. But just, just begin to learn to abide more. If you're having a hard day, abide. Look, verse 11. I'm skipping over some verses for time's sake, but it says, These things I've spoken to you so that my joy, whose joy? Jesus' joy. <laughs> These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you. So whose joy is it? It's his joy inside of me. So when I'm up here weeping and crying, or but I'm seeing the girls look like they're doing ring around the posy, except for they're not, or ring around the right, whatever that song is. They, they, were doing, they were just dancing their hearts out this morning. And like, I just got so overwhelmed with joy watching them today. And I was just grinning ear to ear. And then they would look at me and they'd go like that, you know? <laughs> and it just, it just melted my heart. It melted my heart. And, and I, I knew I was going to share this verse, and I thought, what I'm feeling is not my joy. What I'm feeling is his joy inside of me. <laughs> and and so, so if we learn to abide, he fills us with his joy. And then he says, and that your joy may be made full. <laughs> and by the way, when it says full, it's an ongoing fullness, meaning that it's, 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 um, it's never going to hit like, oh, I've hit my joy quota for the week. I'm done. I can be a jerk face the rest of the week. <laughs> you know, no, it's just like, no, every day is a good day because he made today. Everything is, everything is wonderful. And like, yeah, I may have more problems than a three-legged runover dog. Hadn't said that forever, Tosh. But <laughs> she always makes fun of me. But, 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 but I may have all those problems, but I'm still going to be joyful, right? Because he lives inside of me. It's hard to wake up. It's like, I, I, I sleep on the right side of the bed. She sleeps on the left side of the bed. There is no wrong side of the bed when we wake up. Every day is a good day. Why? Because he made the day. I'm filled with joy. I'm filled with hope. I'm filled with expectation. <coughs> because he is Lord and he's king. And he lives inside. <laughs> and he wants to talk to me. He wants to talk to you. He wants to commune with you. Every day is a good day. It is. I just think it's really cool that, like, I don't have to fake being happy anymore. <laughs> yeah, right? I don't, have to, I, don't have to, I don't have to put on a mask, which that's where we get the word hypocrite from. Hypocrite defined as one who wears a mask. They were play actors. They learned to play a character, which means that I don't have to put on a hypocrite mask to play a pastoral or Christian character anymore. I just be joyful because he lives inside of me. <laughs> And I wake up every day. I wake up every day. And some days I'm more tired than others. But I wake up every day. And I think, thank you. If she wakes up before me, I look over her side of the bed. Thank you. You gave me her. I walk by my boy's room. Thank you that you gave me him. Right. Go down my steps. You get me these steps, Lord. You're so good to me. I get text message from some of you, and I can promise you before I respond, I said, thank you for that person, Lord. Every time, every time, thank you for them. It sounds crazy, but it's just what the Lord's just been doing in my own heart. And it makes me more joyful when I see the Lord do things in your life. 
Yeah, it's like when you all, I'm like, thank you, God, but they got jobs before they moved, which is like just ridiculous, right? Just ridiculous. Thank you, Lord, that like, we knew we were going to do that, and we're like, well, that electricity over there is a mess. <laughs> thank you, Lord, that Colin's an electrician. Because we are not. <laughs> True story. Thanks for listening to this week's message. The goal of River City Hope Church is to provide as many resources as we can for free. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to HopeForRiverCity.com. Again, that's Hope, the number four, RiverCity.com.